It's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Welcome back to the, uh, you know, to the to the show that we're doing right now. Following the local teams, breaking down the biggest games with in-depth analysis and team interviews. There's going to be much higher expectations, sense of awareness of what uh, we bring to the table. Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the Full Court Press. Throws, ends up, yes. touchdown, did he get it? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson and Jason Walker here in the studio. We're finally here at Together the same again. time. <laughs> it's like an old movie or something. Uh, we've been busy, uh, but it's good to be back together. And uh, opportunities to recap what happened last night in the spectrum of basketball doubleheader to get things underway for college basketball. The women started it off. And the men followed suit, and uh, it's like, okay, that's your score? Okay, we'll do the same thing. That sounds great. Yeah, I somehow didn't notice it, despite the fact I went to both games. And then when I uh, came in today, I, was, I wasn't able to finish my women's recap last night because it was just a long day. <laughs> um, and then I went back and was looking at the women's score. It's all right, 75-58. And I was like, wait a minute. Wasn't that the score of the <laughs> Is that a typo? <laughs> and so I like double-checked, double-checked what I tweeted by the final score, I double checked on the, the you know the stat sheets, and I was like, okay, same score. <laughs> That's impressive. It is incredibly impressive. Yes, that is the scoreboard. Yes, <laughs> that is the scoreboard. They, it's the same chant, but except actually they did it slightly different. I think in the women's game because it was like fifty-six for College of Idaho, and they did it for that one. Mm. At that point in the game. And I think when the men did it, it was 73-58. So, that's the thing about the scoreboard channel. They usually never say the final score. No, that's true. Usually somebody scores uh, before they're finished with it. There's a point or two that gets added to one of the other teams. Which is funny because I think right as the students said 56 in the women's game, College of Idaho scored to make it 58. (laughs) Or maybe like right – the timing was interesting because I almost thought they were going to say – 50. Actually, it was. It might have been after they said, "Is that a 56?" They scored, and then the student section still said, "Yes, that is a 56." <laughs> even though it had just turned to 58. Just changed. So uh, I know that uh, you know a lot of you um, had a chance to to tune in and, and to chime in on KVNU Aggie Call after the game last night, but for those who, who didn't or feel like there's more to be said, we'd love to hear from you on our Full Court Press text line, 435-339-0321. And, uh, yeah, nice win to open things up for Utah State uh, against an opponent who was down one of their key guys. Uh, another guy who they really re- were going to rely on was in foul trouble most of the night. But still, um, there were stretches where that game was uncomfortably close. But then Utah State really dug in defensively over the last several minutes and really clamped down and put that game out of reach for Utah Valley. Yeah, it was really the end of both halves where Utah State really did well because they closed out the first half on like a 16-5 to run, I think. And then they ended the game on like a 20-7 to run. So I think... In the first half, it was like 25-22. They end the half like 41-28. 
So I guess we were like 16. I, I, whatever the math works out as, some of these numbers may be off. But then like in the second half, it was 55-52, I believe. Final score, 75-20, or 58. So they finished strong on offense and defense. The defense was strong throughout. Really at no point were they allowing big runs by UVU. I think UVU's longest run was maybe 6-0. Um, or even 5-0. They, they didn't get on any big runs. The only thing you could maybe point to this being wrong was that Utah State wasn't consistent throughout the whole game. They had a few scoring droughts. But you always have a few scoring droughts. And when you put up 75 points and 80 possessions, it's a solid outing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, look, Utah Valley, not a bad team. Uh, they played really well in the WAC last year. Um, granted, their, their top player who was a conference player of the year, transferred to go to Texas Tech. So they're kind of reeling a little bit, trying to find themselves and who they are, not having him there. But in spite of that, they still had some pretty decent players that are on that squad. But really, last night for me was all about Utah State. What was this new-look team going to look like? Not a lot of new faces, but some new key contributors and a new starting lineup. And um, look, Taylor Funk... As advertised. I mean, everything that we've heard about this guy, he sh- he put it all on display last night. Outside shooting, rebounding, uh, facilitating offense, uh, playing defense. Uh, he was a – man, he's a great asset for this team. Yeah, he's definitely looking like a guy who could be, you know, a leading scorer for this team. It'll be interesting to see who really is the leading scorer for this team throughout the season because there's realistically three guys who could do it. And there's probably three guys who are going to be trading that back and forth between each other. Taylor Funk, um, he had 18, although wasn't the leading scorer. That was Sean Bairstow at 19. And then Max Shulga wasn't you know, too far behind. He was bringing up the rear to 14. Mm-hmm. So and in the next game, maybe Shulga goes off for 17, 18 points and leads everyone. Or, you know, Bairstow leads again. Or Taylor Funk could go off for like 23, 24. So it's nice having... Three offensive leaders for this team. Three guys that you can rely on. Yeah, and that's, you know, one of the questions coming to the season was, um, well, some of the questions were, how would Taylor Funk fit in? What really is his skill set and how it works with this system? Uh, What what would be the next steps in the evolution of Max Shulga and Sean Barstow? And then what about some of the other guys? Like, what about... um, you know, these rotations, what will they look like? What will that second unit look like? And while Trevin Dorius got the start, Dan Akin really played the majority of the minutes at that position, uh, which had me thinking it was Dorius there at, at the starting, at, named as a starter because of the matchups for Utah Valley. How much of that will be a regular occurrence with Dorius as a starter? Or is it just based on what the matchups are going to be presenting the Aggies? So it's an interesting question because you'd think, just from looking at the starting lineups, okay, you want to put seven-foot Trevin Dorius on Aziz Bandego. Except Ryan Odom said after the game they didn't think Bandego was going to be the starter. They thought six-foot-nine Tim Fuller was going to be starting at the five. So if Dorius was in based off of matchup, Either Ryan Odom was lying in his clairvoyant, <laughs> um, 
Or I guess maybe he wanted a seven footer on a six foot nine. Maybe he saw an advantage. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, because you know we thought Akin was going to start, and I mean he got the minutes I was expecting. You know when I projected the stats out, I uh, I had him as the starter and averaging like 24, 25 minutes a game. I think that's about what he played. I think he played twenty six, twenty seven, twenty seven. Yeah. So you know right in there. He basically played starters minutes, um, but came off the bench. So I don't know if this is just going to be. I mean, there's some NBA coaches that go out there and they start a you know a seven footer. I mean, Javale McGee I think starts for the Mavericks, and the other day he started and played three minutes. <laughs> and the Clippers do this with uh, Zubak as well, or I think Zubak's still on the Clippers. Yeah, he's still but there. he'll start and sometimes. Maybe less the case this year. He's earning a bit more of a role. But there were times where he'd start, play 13 minutes. And the Warriors did that sometimes with Andrew Bogut and um, and other centers. It's a thing that's not uncommon. It's weird and maybe a little dumb. But a lot of teams seem to be doing that now where they'll start a traditional five, move to a small ball center, play that most of the game, close the night with that. Maybe maybe Odom's going to go go to do that, and we see Trevin Dorius average 13 minutes, but start like 25 games. Yeah, I mean he did pull down two rebounds, had a block. Uh, you know, not not bad. Uh, while he's there on the court, didn't really help much offensively, at least in scoring. Uh, but uh, we did see a lot of Dan Akin, and we thought that we we would. Um, but Akin also had five turnovers on the night, so. You know that uh, it could be interesting to see how that continues to unfold and uh, and evolve for Coach Odom and his staff. Akin might have the worst hands on the team. Dude really struggles to catch a ball inside. <laughs> if he did, he probably would have scored a lot more points because he's there in position for little dump offs. And there's some good passers in this team that are going to feed him those dump offs. Dude's got to catch it. I don't know how you drop a basketball when your hands are that big. I mean, I usually do all right, and my hands are actually. Relatively small. Um, of course, I can almost palm a basketball. No need to brag. Or <laughs> but, um, you know, Atkins going to be decent inside. Trevin Dorius is frustrating because dude is, uh, according to some of the stats I looked up, he's seven feet tall and he shoots less than 50% on his layups, which is astounding. Yeah, that's that's like hard to do. And you saw it yesterday because I think he airballed the layup. I mean, it was like a floater layup, um, but still. He does not have good touch around the rim. He can finish his dunks strong as anyone on the team, and he fights for rebounds like nobody else on the team and can get them better because you know, he'll fight and he's got the, you know, the physical tools. So he brings that value. And we'll see if he's improved as a rim protector because statistically he's not been a good rim protector. So we'll see if there's improvements in his rim protecting, finish a little bit better on offense, and then you've got a guy who is going to be valuable and pull his weight in anywhere from 13 to 20 minutes a night. Uh, a reminder, if you want to text in and uh, weigh in about that game last night, Utah State basketball home opener, season opener, 435-339-0321, uh, 5338. Texting in, I wish Zapala was a little bit taller. He's tall enough. <laughs> he's already pretty big. 6'11". He's the second 
No. Hold I like the wordplay, though. Yeah, I will commend you for that. He's the third tallest center on the team. So uh, He did not play last night. Were you a little surprised by that? I thought that he might get some minutes. With Trevin getting the start, not anymore. Again, my preseason thoughts were that Zapala would split time as a backup with, with Dorius and maybe find a way to earn more time. But I guess they just like Trevin more, and I don't know if they're going to go to three centers consistently. So Atkins always going to get minutes. The question is, will it be Dorius or Zapala who get the other minutes? It's not going to be both. It's going to be one or the other. Yeah. And maybe there's a night where they put Zapala in. Maybe they'll like something as far as a matchup or a lineup. Maybe, you know, Trevin rolls an ankle and has to sit for a couple of games. Zapala is probably going to be the next man up. Um, and I think he'd be fairly serviceable. In that role, Zapal is a good rebounder and probably is a, probably the best rim protector on the team, actually. Um, even though he doesn't have the height of some other guys. Um, so, mainly the surprise is that Zapala didn't beat out Trevin Dorius for that rotation spot. But once Dorius was named the starter, yeah, Zapala wasn't going to play. 435-339-0321. Your reactions to uh, Utah State men's basketball and women's basketball. Their starts to the uh, the 2022-23 basketball seasons for them. Uh, the uh, women and the men with the exact same result uh, in their in their uh, games in game one in the spectrum. Uh, they'll do it again on Friday where the women will play at three and the men will play at seven. The women Host uh, southeastern Louisiana. That's where Kayla Ard uh, spent her time coming up uh, as a player. And uh, she was on that coaching staff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't remember. Maybe she started off as like a grad assistant or something like that there right after she finished playing. Is that the way it was? Uh, but then the men host Bradley uh, later that night. So another cool opportunity for uh, multiple games in one place. Uh, 9463 texting in it's amazing that Bearstow has grown so much in terms of being timid to now feeling like he has full control of what's happening on the court he used to freeze up when the ball was in his hands and now he's a primary scorer pretty cool also it was pretty cool to see the experience difference between the two squads last night you could tell that the Aggies easily have experience playing in their favor yeah this is a team that's you no know, rocking senior point guard Rylan Jones Junior in Max Sholga at shooting guard, senior Bearstow, like sixth year senior Taylor Funk, and uh, you know, senior Trevin Dorius, who also has a you know, he's, he's probably like 25 26 because he's also got a mission in there. Give uh, Troy Calhoun nightmares playing this team, they're so old, <laughs> so old, <laughs> yeah. So, there's a lot of experience with this team, and I think it shows you know, in, in how calm they were things never got away from them and they were disciplined defensively yeah uh really and getting back to you know highlighting Bearstow and his growth and development yeah early on in his career he had so many unforced errors when he was on the court uh and he it, it was just it was frustrating to watch for fans i just i felt bad for the guy because he would uh, in in Areas that just seem like that should be a common thing to be able to 
dribble around the top of the key, but he would somehow lose control with no one around him, and the other team would get a it would become a catastrophic turnover. They'd get it and go out on a fast break and and score off of it. So there were things, just little things, where he just did not have confidence when he was on the court. You could tell, and he had so many unforced errors. But look at where he is now. He's grown. He's matured. He's gained confidence. I think that's because he's been infused with confidence by his coach and his teammates. I think also because he's healthy. But he's a guy that um, has also struggled from the outside, but he hit some good outside shots last night. Yeah, hit a couple of threes. He hit one. It was at the end of the shot clock, and he had to put it up there. Was standing a couple feet further behind the three-point line than maybe he normally would. Um, and I think the other was like a corner three, or uh, it was early in the game. I can't remember exactly, but you know, it goes two for two from three. This is a guy who shot twelve point five percent on forty eight attempts of the of every NCAA player last year that took at least forty eight three point attempts. Bearstow was literally the worst, but he starts off good today or yesterday. Which, if he's a guy who can shoot, you know, NCAA average, which is like thirty four percent then he's going to be a weapon because he's got some good ways to get to the rim, and he's an elite rim finisher. Last year, out of everybody, I mentioned he was bad at three-point shooting, dead last among you know people who've taken enough three-point attempts. Of all players, he was 23rd in uh, shooting at the rim. He shot like 73% at the rim, which is insane. NBA players can't do that. NBA centers can't do that. Um. And so he was able to finish really well at the rim. You saw it yesterday where once he got to the rim, he goes up strong, and he's got really good touch around the rim. He's got ways that he can manufacture getting to the rim. You've seen that post-up where he's posting up on kind of an empty side to move everyone else out. That's one way he was doing it last year. He's going to do it this year. And at 6'8", playing, you know, you know that wing position, two or the two or the three, he's going to be matched up on guys who are going to be two, three inches shorter than him. And he's going to bully him. And it's going to be a source of offense for him. And if he learns how to pass, you know, pass out of it, if they try and double team him, it's going to be even crazier because then he's going to have two or three shooters around him. Yeah, I've really been pleased with his development. Certainly, he still has room to grow, but that's been a lot of fun to watch. And uh, really looking, that's one of the real exciting aspects of this team coming into this year is just to see how that continues to progress and evolve for Bearstow because. Now, he is a, he is an aggressive player when he decides to attack the rim, um, and but you know can he have some other moves where he doesn't have to just overpower, um, you know it's, it's a, a smaller guard that seems to be on him because there may be some times where he has to go through a, a forward or a bigger player on the other team um, if they switch out on, on him because of his size and because somebody's uh, the other team is going to try to slow him down in some other way. Yeah, and I think, you know, he does have a, he's working on a turnaround jumper in his game. I don't think he hit it. He might have hit it once yesterday. It, he, he tried it a few times, and he didn't get it to go. Just a mid-range turnaround jumper when he can't get to the rim. Uh, having a three-point shot is huge to that because then he'll have a speed advantage against some guys who are as big as him because he's fast for his size. So if he can force them to guard him at the three-point line, he's going to have a chance, especially with some of the, you know, the, um, it's not like he's going to be ISOing everybody. He'll be moving, and as they, you know, they do the little dribble handoffs and whatnot, he'll have a chance to get going downhill, and he'll have a speed advantage, and he'll get to the rim. So there's a couple of ways that you can see ways for him to manufacture offense against 
smaller and bigger defenders. And as long as those things are working and some and his shooting is working, his mid-range and three-point shooting, then that unlocks a guy who can average 19 points a game rather than just get 19 points on the nights where he's shooting decently. 435-339-0321. If you want to weigh in, love to get your thoughts and your reactions to what happened in Game 1 for Utah State, uh, both for the men and for the women, both of them coming out with victories, the exact same score, 75-58. to 58. Uh, Your reactions to uh, some of these new players and just evolution of current or existing players on the roster. Love to continue to get your thoughts on that. Utah Jazz picked up another nice win last night against the Lakers. It's always good to beat the Lakers. Uh, and did it in pretty big, dramatic fashion as well. So lots to discuss here on the Full Court Press, 435-339-0321. Alpine Home Medical has been around for over 25 years. Can you believe that? Hi, I'm Jay Broadbent. What keeps us coming to work every day? We're passionate about caring for you. From home and bathroom safety to transportation, mobility, recovery, oxygen, sleep, and more, come into any of our 10 locations today and let us take care of you. Visit us at alpinehomemedical.com. Do you have a broken appliance? Save money and repair your appliance with Daryl's today. Maybe you'll decide you need to purchase new. If so, you can apply up to $95 of your service call toward an appliance purchase. We reduce the risk when you choose Daryl's. It's a unique deal only we can offer you. See our store for details. Daryl's Appliance Service and Sales West on Airport Road. Open until 6 p.m. on weekdays, 5 on Saturday. We're heading into some crazy weather this winter, which means power outages. Tyler and his team at Golden Spike Electric can install a Generac automatic standby generator for your home so you can avoid issues when the power goes out. If you have one already, Golden Spike Electric can maintain your Generac automatic standby generator for you. Find them online at gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. Golden Spike Electric and Generac automatic standby generators. Power you can count on. Crystal Vision, the two-time gold medal winner in Best of Northern Utah, just got back from a Las Vegas buying show. They were able to see and buy the newest eyeglass frames, styles, and trends for 2023. Stop in today and check out what's new in the eyeglass frame world. Remember to take in your current prescription and let Crystal Vision fit you into a new look. Nobody has the style and fashion to choose from like Crystal Vision on 14th North or online at crystalvision.com. And now, the, the, the Dan Patrick Show. Dan Patrick. <laughs> Judge has had a historical season, but that doesn't mean that you should give him a 10-year deal, which is probably what he's going to want. He's going to be 31 at the start of next season. There have been injuries. That's not a great combination for somebody looking for probably a 10-year contract. Every player ages differently. The Dan Patrick Show. Dan and the Danettes and you. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. The Young Automotive Group is proud to announce Young Truck and Trailer Center in Cache Valley. Whether it's heavy equipment trailers, horse trailers, race car trailers, or cargo and utility trailers, we're excited to offer some of the finest trailers and flatbed work trucks to Cache Valley. Our team of experts look forward to helping you find the right truck or trailer to fit your needs. With competitive prices offered on every make and model for sale on our lot. With our extensive inventory, you'll find the best deals right here in Cache Valley. Young Truck and Trailer Center, just off Highway 89 in Logan. Think young, drive young. 
The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. And texts from you. Love to have you as part of the conversation. 435-339-0321. A couple texts coming through. Again, we're getting reactions to Utah State men's basketball and women's basketball home and season openers last night in the Spectrum. Uh, 9463. What are your thoughts on the UVU coach, Mark Madsen? Later down the road, if Coach Odom were to leave, I'd assume they'd look at Madsen as an option. That's why I'm asking, what a unique character on the sidelines he is. Yeah, I mean, uh, seems like a decent enough coach. They've been, you know, solid enough team. Um, the thing I'm trying to pull up to show his coaching record seems like it's off. But, I mean, last year, 20-12. and 12, um, So... Uh, my, my thing is, if, if the coach can do the job, then and as long as he has a, a record of success, again, for the basketball, we've seen them reach out to, you know, teams lower on the uh, on the ladder of, you know, mid-major teams. They found guys who've had success at those level of schools, bring them up to Utah State, and that's been a very successful model the last couple of times they've done it. Craig Smith worked really well. Uh, Ryan Odom seems to be working so far. I always worry about you know just going with the local guys around because that doesn't always work. Tim Durie didn't work very well. Um, Craig Smith's not working out too well for the University of Utah. <laughs> um, you know, Madsen, I know uh, he played collegiately at Stanford. Then he went to the NBA, played for the Lakers, and I don't remember where he went after that. Um, but uh, he... He coached. I remember running into him uh, in an airport, and he was with uh, it was uh, the the D League at the time, the developmental league, which is now the G League in the NBA. But um, I'm trying to remember the team that he was with. They were from. I don't remember where the team was based. Um, but not. It wasn't the Utah team. It was somebody else. But um, anyway, he was. He was an assistant coach uh, with this uh, with this squad. I don't think he was a head coach. I think he was as, as an assistant. He would only been a few years removed from the NBA as a player. But um, okay, so I'm pulling up uh, his Wikipedia. So okay, playing careers with the Lakers and Timberwolves for like nine years. Um, you know, between those two teams, uh, says he was an assistant coach for the Utah Flash of the D League. And then, um, I'm trying to read an entire paragraph and say it at the same time, because it has him as like the coach of the Los Angeles Defenders, which I'm trying to see where in this paragraph it actually says he was, yeah, he was the head coach of this LA D League team after being an assistant with uh, the Utah D League team. And an assistant coach at Stanford. Hmm. Maybe it was with the Utah team. I thought he had a different name. I thought he was with a different uh, uh, team, but it's been it's been a little bit. It's been a while. 
I think it says he was an assistant. He was a player development coach with the Lakers, then an assistant with the Lakers uh, under uh, Byron Scott. And then when Scott was dismissed, uh, he left as well. Mm, okay. And that's when he, uh, well, and I guess it was just later, because that was 2016 when he got dis- you know dismissed there, and then Utah Valley, 2019 was when he was hired there. Replacing Coach Pope. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, so it's an interesting profile for Mark Madsen. Um, but you know what? It, <laughs> I'm going to enjoy Coach Odom right now. Yeah, he's... I think I think he's... Uh, I really like his style. Uh, I think he's very intelligent coach. I think he's getting a lot out of his players. We're, one of the key things for me is seeing what he's doing with some players who were... I want to say cast-offs, because that's not the right term, but players who... Sean Barstow is a great example. We've been talking about somebody who was really not working under Craig Smith. And um, look how what he's done with Barstow in resurrecting his career and his his confidence. Yeah, he just... I really like what you said, where he just gets a lot out of these players. They play hard for him. And Craig Smith is able to get a lot out of his players, too, it sometimes just doesn't work for you know, a guy like Bearstow, and there's others under Craig Smith, and there's guys that haven't worked for under Odom. But, um, you know, Chimon Zapala maybe is not working for him yeah. right now. So, you know, I just love the way that Odom's teams are playing. Um, they're not necessarily elite teams in some way, but I think now that we're in year two, where he, he's got a little bit more of his hand prayer on this team, bringing in some of his guys, you know, Akin and bringing in Taylor Funk, uh, we see a little bit more of what his, you know, the kind of players he wants to have. And then you see, you know, who he really can be. So, you know, I'm liking it so far. I'm loving the great defense. I absolutely love teams that are good at defense in basketball. They're just so much fun to watch. And right now, it seems like they're going to be decent on offense. They have guys who can be good there. They can shoot well. They can generate offense. So, granted, it's one game. I'd like to see a bit more of a sample size. But the one thing that's actually interesting is that Utah State did a pretty good job at getting to the rim in a lot of different cases. But, you know, Bandago for UVU was pulling some vintage Rudy Gobert rim protection. Or around here we'd say Namiash Keta. That was the kind of stuff where it, just nothing around the rim was easy. Even if you beat your man by a step or two. So what happens if Utah State's doing that same thing where they're beating the guy by a step or two and there's not a seven-footer incredibly athletic rim protector there? Hmm. That could really break things open. Yeah. Now, there are going to be some of those guys in the Mountain West. So yeah, but it, not every night. But so. not every night. That's true. Uh, getting back to our full-court press text line, uh, 0443 texting in. Taylor Funk is him. Yeah, the dude is dude's going to be good. Um, he's a good shooter. It, it was weird watching him because there was, you know, with how much he pump faked. Because... He was among the leaders in collegiate basketball last year. I can't remember if he was the top or one of the top. 
He was one of the top uh, players in number of catch and shoot guarded field goal attempts. So he, you know, a catch and shoot where somebody's guarding him fairly close. He had the most of those attempts last year, among the most. Well, here at Utah State, he didn't really shoot that many. He had one or two. Um, whereas he pump faked the heck out of the ball. I swear, like every single player had like six pump fakes in the game, <laughs> and it did generate some offense because UVU and a couple of them they went and high fived the sky on those pump fakes. Uh, so it it worked in a lot of cases. So it, and I'm not saying I don't like it. It was just weird. My perception of Funk is that he would rise and fire with reckless abandon at times. He didn't do that. Maybe that's coaching. You know, he comes in here and and he's playing, going to play a bit of a different role than he did at St. Joseph's. He's going to be more of a rebounder, uh, and and he'll play a bit of a different role on offense. Still a lot of shooting, but you know, a bit more of a lead role. Oh, but that shot from the logo! Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh! That is one of the things I was I was expecting to see. Is he's just going to he's going to pull up and it's going to be. What are you doing? Oh, he made it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was fun. Uh, 435-339-0321. Continue to break down what happened last night between the Utah State Aggies and the Utah Valley Wolverines. Also, the College of Idaho Yotes, if you will, for the women. Yotes! Jason was there for both. And uh, let's get your reactions to what you saw as Utah State opens up their season uh, victors, 75-58 to 58 in both games. Uh, Utah Jazz also picking up the win over the Lakers last night. Always a good, good night when you can pick up a victory over the Lakers, um, and even if they're shorthanded. But um, a lot to, to still get through. The college football playoff rankings will be released next hour, so we'll see if any Mountain West schools uh, may appear there. I kind of doubt it, but we'll see what happens with those results when they come out. With the, Really, it's a, the top part. That's maybe the most worth paying attention to. The top six could be very controversial. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, here on the Full Court Press, we'd love to hear from you. Coming up next, 435-339-0321. Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business, and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally, without all the red tape, by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank, growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank, member FDIC. The Cash Valley Media Group Logan Holiday Gift Show is presented by Coppins Hallmark Friday and Saturday, November 11th and 12th at the Riverwoods Conference Center. It is the perfect place to kick off your holiday shopping. Ideas and treats for the entire family. Clothing, books, jewelry, purses, home and holiday decor, baby items, and don't miss everyone's favorite guest, Santa. <laughs> the Logan Holiday Gift Show presented by Coppins Hallmark Friday and Saturday, November 11th and 12th at the Riverwoods Conference Center. Start your holiday shopping off right. Has inflation got you down? This is Zach with HSA Depot. Did you know you can save money by using your pre-tax income to buy qualifying medical supplies? Health savings and flex spending accounts can be used for more than just doctor visits and prescriptions. HSA Depot helps you conquer your health care by providing HSA and FSA eligible products, taking the guesswork out of the process. Come to HSA Depot next to Sally Beauty and see how much you can save. HSA Depot, five-star review. This is Chris from the Cater Shop Menswear Store. We believe how you look is the first message you deliver. This also includes our floors at the store. Daryl at Cam Drive Northern Utah and his team came in after hours, cleaned the entire store, and had it ready to go before we opened the next day. I trust Daryl and his team from Cam Drive Northern Utah. Cam Drive Northern Utah. 
This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cache Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Ah, the cold weather is here, bundling up, snow this morning, there's more on the way. So it's more important than ever to keep your vehicle in tip-top shape. Get your oil changed at Valvoline Instant Oil Change across from Angie's on Main Street in Logan, 695 North Main. Uh, Yeah, college football playoff rankings will be coming out next hour, which could be pretty interesting. How they may be similar or different from the AP or coaches polls. Especially in the top five, top six. Nothing else really matters after that, to be honest. Yeah, like before last week, you were paying attention to the top seven. It's like, all right, this is your pool of you know, teams who are most likely to make it. Uh, you know, your Georgia, Tennessee. I'm suddenly forgetting all the teams were in there. Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, TCU, and Clemson. Clemson, that's the other one I was missing. Uh, now, Clemson loses, Alabama loses, Tennessee loses. They're still in it, but, you know, Alabama is... They're out. Two loss, not even in line to play in the SEC championship at the moment unless things change, which I guess they still can because they changed drastically this last week, so heaven yeah. knows. Um, so, which is weird because I, I, I might need to look up when the last time Alabama wasn't in the SEC championship game because I can't remember. It's, but it would have been before Nick Saban? No. Has there been a year where Nick Saban has not been there? Maybe early on. I mean, LSU may, like LSU is in the same division, and they went undefeated one year, so I'm pretty sure that year they probably mm. went to the title game instead of Alabama. So I guess that was true. 2019. So that was probably the last time. So, But it's not very often. Yeah, both so, LSU and Ole Miss only have one loss yeah. in, in their uh, West division, where uh, Alabama now has two. I can't remember if that Ole Miss loss is to Alabama, because if that's the case, it could create a very interesting three-way tie scenario depending on losses. No, their loss was to LSU. Oh, to LSO. So LSU has a tiebreaker. So, yeah. They're the number one. It's LSU's spot to lose in the SEC title game to likely face Georgia since they topped Tennessee, and Georgia remains undefeated. Well, they play Alabama. Uh, Ole Miss plays Alabama this weekend. Yeah, so we'll see how all that goes. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and the one interesting part of all this was TCU, because TCU was seventh, I believe. They're undefeated, and they were behind Alabama, and uh, or was TCU sixth? They're behind you know, a, a couple of schools. In the rankings? Yeah, in the rankings. I guess Michigan and Alabama were ahead of them. From uh, wait, college, sorry, I was reading the text. College the, football playoffs. The college from last football playoffs from last week. TCU was seventh, right? So they had Alabama at six, I believe, and Michigan at five. And then you had Clemson. 
Georgia, Ohio State, and Tennessee. Okay, so last week it was Tennessee number one, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, Alabama, TCU. So that's okay. one through seven. Yeah, so TCU at seven. I was thinking, okay, even though they're undefeated, I don't know if they're going to have a chance to get in because so many different teams have to lose. Well, what happened last week? <laughs> so many different teams lost. And now, if you look at the AP poll, they're rocking with the thing Georgia at one, Ohio State two, um, Michigan three, Yep, and then TCU at four. Both the AP and coaches are the same yeah. in the top four. And well, I think the public consensus six. would probably say that the college football playoff should be that. It'll just depend on whether or not the the playoff committee can justify to themselves putting Tennessee at four, having them only drop from one to four, instead of most people think they should drop from one to five. I mean, they, only, they, they lost to, uh, what was Georgia ranked? Third? Fourth? Second? Last week? Yeah. Uh, they were third. Third. So you lose to the number three team, how far do you really fall? Because um, it is an upset, but... I mean, not that much not, of an upset. Not, not that much of an upset. So it depends if, if the college football playoff doesn't want to drop them that far. But they might. And TCU, it's not like this is Cincinnati or some other G5 team. It's a Power 5 team. Granted, they haven't been Power 5 for long. No, but they play a Power 5 schedule yeah. and have so, for several years. Yeah, so there's, there's not really an excuse to exclude them. So it may just come down to... Whether the playoff committee wants to have two SEC teams in there or not. Uh four three five three three nine zero three two one if you want to text in. Uh six five four three uh texts in. Please inform me as to who will be some of the better teams the basketball team will play in preseason. I'm not familiar with most of them. Well, I'm getting familiar. I, I published my uh preview. Of I think the first five games in the non-conference season. I'm assuming he's talking about Utah State's non-conference schedule. Yes, that's <laughs> um, what I would assume. Yeah, and I haven't done as deep a dive yet into like the remaining six or seven. Um, but I can tell you right now that the first I think real test they're going to face because Utah Valley, they're a team that's good, but they lost their best player. Um, Bradley. They're a team that was good last year. They lost a key transfer, and their best returning player is going to be injured. Uh, he, he was injured in the preseason. He's going to miss the game so against he won't Utah State. be available State. on Friday. Okay. Um, so that's uh, – and they were ranked 124 in Kempom. Utah Valley was uh, 128. Kind of similar. So, but yeah, but they're, they're the 124th, but suddenly without their best player. Mm. Uh, best returning player. Uh, Santa Clara, they're a team that uh, was pretty dang good last year. Top 100 in the net. Yeah, except that they lost uh, their top player who became a lottery pick, I think, in the draft or maybe like mid-first-round pick in Jalen Williams. Um, they lost another guy who averaged just under 16 points per game, lost another guy who averaged 12 points per game, and you know they brought in a couple of transfers – and they still have one more returning guy who averaged double-digit points. Like I said, this is a really good team last year. <laughs> They're actually one of the highest-scoring teams in the nation. Um, I think fourth. 
but they just lost so much. So they finished 70th in the NET. Ken Palm has them at 111 preseason. They just lost so much. And so we'll see if they can recover from that and still be a decent team. Uh, the first real test going to be San Diego. And they they bring back a lot of returning starters. They bring in some some other good players. Um, bring in they actually bring in a kid from Weber State last year who averaged like who's a great shooter. Um, so San Diego bringing in a lot of talent. Um, and they went from 219th in the NET last year. Ken Palm has them 139 preseason. Ken so, Palm really likes their new additions. Yeah, they have a lot of new additions. Yeah, they jump. They have. I think I I put in like six additions. I don't think I included all of their newcomers. These were just the key ones. Some really good junior college players. They brought in a junior college all American, um, and you know another high scoring you know junior college guy. So they're a team that could make a huge jump this season. Uh, and then another early test can be Oral Roberts. They have a two-time All-American. Um, I think he's been like honor, honorable mention. Or maybe just the one. Oh, no. Two honorable All-American selections. And CBS Sports third-team All-American a couple years back. Um, Max Abmus. Really dynamic scorer. So he'll obviously be a test for Oral Roberts. Granted... Um, Oral Roberts, you know, 120 in the Ken Palm. They have a really good player, but <laughs> um, hasn't always uh, resulted in, in tons of success. So the first three games are going to be on the easy side. Part well, of the, yeah, they'll be they'll be challenging opponents, but games that Utah State should win. Yeah, challenging in the same way that UVU was. Right, teams yes. that can beat you if you uh, don't, you know, you know, really step on their throat. Yes. Um, and Utah State was able to do that at UVU. They, they strangled them on with their defense, and they beat them soundly by 17 points. They can do the exact same thing to Bradley and, um, and Santa Clara, um, and, and they'll be solid wins. The real challenges will be San Diego and Ola Roberts. They're both winnable games, but there's going to be some significant challenges and some really good players they'll be facing. Um and so we'll, we'll see how they handle those true tests uh, early on. Uh, another big one that is probably, if you want to say it in, in such a term, but it would be the, the, the crown jewel, if you will, for the non-conference schedule for Utah State, the best uh, opportunity to get a high net type of team would be the game against San Francisco at the Chase Center where the Golden State Warriors play. Uh, San Francisco had a great year last year, um, and uh, probably the highest profile team that is on their non-conference. That may not be as recognizable a name as some of these other teams that may be out there, but they had a good year last year and, and scored really well in the net last year. Yeah, last year finished uh, net at 26. Uh, Ken Palm does have them at 101. Um, I, I haven't dove into who's come and gone there. I'm, I've not gotten to that part. Like I said, I split these in two for a reason because I wanted to get one out before the season started. So I broke down all the November games, and I'll be breaking down all the December non-conference games next. But, yeah, you can see that drop from the NET to Ken Palm's preseason. You can see there's you know, 
there's an expected drop probably for some some players that are gone. But still, in terms of the Ken Palm rankings, 101, I think is the highest they have. Still oh, solid, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, especially when you consider they were 26 in the net last year. Yeah, and so they can still be good. Ken Palm may just not like the fact maybe they lost a couple of guys, but maybe they brought in some, you know, unproven but could be really good guys. Uh, more reactions about Utah State basketball. We'll continue to dive into that. Uh, Utah State women's basketball played last night as well. Uh, all that's coming up. We'd love to hear from you on our full court press text line, uh, 435-339-0321. Uh, more on that coming up next here on the full court press. Uh, Cash Food Pantry, they help out a lot of people in our community, probably more than most of us realize. And now is the time of year where they really need your donations. More families seeking assistance than ever. Inflation has gone up. Gas prices are still high. And so there's a lot of people who could use a little bit of of help, especially coming into the holiday season. Turkeys, hams, anything that might be part of a traditional Thanksgiving or Christmas meal. But also, if you've got backyard chickens and you can spare some eggs, Cash Food Pantry has the facilities to take care of that and store it properly to help people. So uh, you can donate food, you can donate items like that, but also you can donate money because they can really stretch a dollar more than than we can personally. And cash donations are really strongly encouraged because they can do a lot with it more than the average person. So you can make a donation on their website or through their website. You can drop off a check in person or you can use Venmo at cash-pantry. That's at cash-pantry on Venmo if you want to make a cash donation to the Cash Community Food Pantry. So please join all of us here at The Fan and the Cash Valley Media Group as we help out the Cash Food Pantry who are going to be helping out dozens and dozens and dozens of families in our community this holiday season. Skinny and your boots tie with leather. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You need up-to-date ski equipment and your kids want the good stuff. Al Sporting Goods has season ski rental for the entire family. Ski and board equipment that you can rent for the entire season. Pick them up now, bring them back in May. And for a limited time, get a free Cherry Peak Lift Pass. Youth season ski or snowboard rental, only $99. Adult season ski or snowboard rentals, only $114. Don't wait. 99 and 114 season ski rental per Prices will go up. Al Sporting Goods for season ski rentals. Every sport, every season. The Elements Restaurant is serving a plated Thanksgiving dinner this year with all the holiday classics. Herb roasted turkey with a sage turkey gravy, garlic whipped potatoes, and whipped sweet potatoes, traditional cornbread stuffing, and delicious warm rolls. And for dessert, choose between pumpkin pie, pecan pie, or apple galette. Let the Elements serve your family a delicious Thanksgiving feast while you spend the day enjoying family and friends. Prime times fill up quickly. Reserve online today at theelementsrestaurant.com or call 750-5171. When it comes to home care, it's important to know you have a choice. If you or a loved one is in need of hospice or home health services, remember that Primrose Home Care and Hospice believes in treating the patient, not the problem. We work directly with you and your doctor to create a health plan that's catered to your needs. Our team is devoted to providing options in the freedom and safety of your own home. Visit us at primrosecare.com or call to schedule a free consultation. Primrose Home Care and Hospice, your local hospice and home health provider since 2006. 
Advanced Heating and AC, the two-time gold medal winner in Best in Builder, Utah. They're teaming up with Carrier Heating and Cooling. Carrier provides you the best furnace units available. And now's the best time to buy a new unit before the weather turns Cash Valley cold. Financing options are available. Turn to the experts at Advanced Heating and Carrier. Advanced Heating and Air Conditioning, 752-7272. Or stop by their showroom west of DI. And online at advancedheating-ac.com. We're not comfortable until you are. Advanced Heating and Air. Following the local teams, it's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. Napa Auto Parts has great items to get you ready for more cold weather to come. Like 50 pounds of ice melt for just $10 a bag. Plus, make sure you have plenty of starting power with the Napa Legend battery. Even help you with battery and blade installation at your five locally owned Preston of Providence Napa Auto Parts stores. Boy, there, get yourself some ice scrapers and snow brushes. You're going to need them. Uh, so, looking at Utah State basketball, nice win last night over Utah Valley. And you know, Ken Pomeroy had the Aggies coming into the season at, what, 68? 68. And after the win, moved up to 63? Yes. And then uh, just seeing this, Joe Lunardi from ESPN put together his bracketology for all 363 schools um, which was uh, released this morning uh, so I guess you know, games that happened last night may have had some influence there was like 200 games yesterday <laughs> a lot of games so, um, which I guess would be just about everyone in division one just about there's like 360 there's 363 teams, teams. And so if you have 200 games then obviously there's a bunch of teams that play you know, non-Division One teams. Right. Well, there were a number of Mountain West schools who played yeah. lower division. But I think there's some NCAA teams that didn't actually play. So Right. Uh, but Joe Lunardi has Utah State as the fourth highest team in the Mountain West and puts them at number 79 overall. Yeah, and so I think right now that 60 to 80 range is where most people are going to put him. Um, I think I did my uh, averages for where everybody have them, and I don't have it in front of me. I and I can't find it quickly enough, but Utah State was in the, I think the high 60s. I had like five different um, one through 363 rankings. Utah State averaged like 68 or somewhere around that. And it had him as the third best behind San Diego State, who was like 17 on average. And Wyoming, who was in the low 60s or maybe low 50s. So, and now, you know, obviously we have a one-game sample size, which is a a truly horrible sample size to go off of. Almost as bad as the no sample size we were working with. Um, But Utah State looking good now. Yeah, not not a bad start for USU. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, and a nice win. uh, Just get things started. Uh, And it was a good win for the women as well. Uh, And uh, who... Who also clamped down on defense uh, in their game. Um, had some you know, good variety of, of scoring and contributors for them. And a great start uh, for Kayla Ard and this really brand new roster for Utah State women's basketball. Yeah, pretty much everyone's new. I think the entire starting lineup uh, comprised of players who were new to the team. The two returners, uh, uh, Kinley uh, Falslev Wakaiser. Well, it just says with Kaiser on the back of her jersey. I think she's full on embraced the, you know, her married name. 
Although on the roster, they keep having to put Foslev with Kaiser so that we all remember who she is. So we know this isn't a new player on the yeah. roster. It was funny because we were um, looking to interview uh, the gymnastics coach. And I, uh, we'll, we'll talk we'll about get to that it next, next hour. Stick around here on the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Ravens are banged up. Running backs J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards have failed to stay on the field. Former first-round pick Rashad Bateman out for the year. Star tight end Mark Andrews dealing with multiple injuries. That didn't stop Lamar Jackson last night against New Orleans. He rushed for over 80 yards, played mistake-free football, and helped Baltimore dominate the time of possession. That helped the Ravens to a convincing 27-13 win over the Saints. The victory will continue to keep Baltimore in the playoff hunt, and with contract rumors still swirling jackson's impressive performance is proof of his extreme value to this franchise it's one thing to win with a quarterback but with the number of offensive injuries the team has endured baltimore is winning because of jackson and with the ravens now sitting at six and three and the former mvp in pursuit of a new mega contract starting to look like it's only a matter of time until lamar jackson gets paid i'm dan patrick and this is above the noise